Thanks for finding Organic Matters once again. Uh, since spring came, well, spring sort of here, I'm getting more hits than ever. I'm getting more and more people. It went up considerably a couple of weeks back, I think mostly because it's gardening season and I'm supposed to be a gardening show, and I try to be. But I like to talk about what else is going on, the weather around us, the tremendous storms, the horrific change in weather that we've had in the last yeah, two years or three, and it's going to continue, folks. It's going on as we talk, and you'll be seeing more and more about it. It's, uh, it's unavoidable at this point. I just hope we can work with it and catch it before it gets too far gone. And it's beginning to scare me after 35 years. But this morning, I'm going to talk about plants, but in a different way. Now we're moving indoors, where we live in the south here. I don't, the weather gets severe once in a while, but, but here, summer's when we really get shut in with air conditioning and trying to take uh, care of ourselves. One thing we don't consider is some homes, more homes than you might think, actually have more polluted air in the house than outside the house. <laughs> and it's because of the carpets we've got and the fireproofing and the way we clean. There's chemistries everywhere. There's a lot of volatile organic compounds, especially uh, the biggie that they've tried to eliminate, but they haven't. The formaldehyde in carpets and some of the VOCs in paints. So anyway, I'm going to give you a few plants, eight or nine plants, whatever comes to my mind, that will improve the air quality in your house. They actually take in these things and then they clean them up. I guess you oxidize them. And so your air becomes cleaner and they're plants you can enjoy. And for the most part, they're very easy to grow indoor. That's why I've chosen them to, uh, to give you as a choice for your home. What well, seems like way back now, but it's back in 1989, uh, NASA published its clean air study. It recommended the use of several indoor plants to remove toxic agents from the air. If you're wondering why in the heck NASA was working on that and heading the study, it's because researchers were originally looking at ways to improve the indoor air quality inside of space stations and figured their findings were relevant to other indoor areas as well. As a matter of fact, in general, when NASA has something important to say, it's most likely a good idea to listen. Those people that went to space, they have to know a thing or two. They have to know things that we need to know. I can't name the technologies that we are now using in our homes and on our lives every day that were originally invented, established, learned about from NASA and the space program. Back when they first got to studying, there was a phenomenon often referred to as what we call the sick building syndrome, which falls under the category of syndromes that are impossible to prove and kind of impossible to disprove based on what we knew at the time. Basically, this syndrome involves the onset of symptoms such as headaches and dizziness that occur when a person spends time in a particular building. The symptoms then disappear when that person leaves that particular building. Three goes something like this. It's that that person is reacting to toxic agents in the atmosphere. As with everything else in health, some people are more susceptible to the symptoms than others. While it's very difficult to prove actual cause and effect in these cases, it would be difficult to find an expert that does not agree that the quality of the air we breathe, indoors or out, incidentally, has a great impact on our moods, our energies, our comfort, and our overall health. 
As a result of these studies, NASA recommends placing one toxic agent filtering plant for every 100 square feet of your office space or your home in order to keep air quality at its utmost finest. This is recommended for anyone, whether they're experiencing symptoms of sick building syndrome or not. So here are the toxic agents that they talked about that contribute to poor indoor air quality. The top of the list of every list I looked at is trichloroethylene. It's commonly found in paints, paint remover, varnishes, and, and a lot of other substances that you put on your walls or on your floors. Unfortunately, it's also found in a number of different inks, even that we read our magazines and newspapers from. I won't bore you too much with the chemistry. Let's go through three or four just so you'll get an idea. Benzene. It's used to make plastic, your detergents, and pesticides. But it's also found in your exhaust of almost all vehicles, even the new ones. Glue and paint. If you're somebody smoking in your house, benzene is in the air. Xylene. Commonly found more than people realize, in the homes. You know where it's big time? is in leather furniture. But it's also, again, back in the exhaust of your gas car or anything that's combustible, including your gas stove and your oven. If you're using a gas stove, and that's been a new information thing lately that got in the news. Well, I think I've talked about that. No one's going to steal your gas oven, folks, but they are telling you it's putting things into the air that most of us never even considered. And one that I've tried to stay away from now that I know is ammonia. It's really often found in cleaning products, specifically window cleaners and floor waxes. And, of course, very common in fertilizers if you buy commercial synthetic fertilizer. And, and the last one I think about is formaldehyde. It's found in tissue paper, paper towels, napkins, and other materials that often you hold up to your mouth or up to your nose or you wipe your baby face with them. Uh, they have formaldehyde in them if you don't buy earth-friendly quote-unquote, all-natural products, and they are available now, but you have to be aware of it if you're going to go looking for it. I, I buy a different kind of... I do use paper towels. I hate to admit it because I think it's a bad idea, but it's the way I live. I occasionally have to have some, and I buy the uh, extra $2 ones that are totally biodegradable and are literally formaldehyde-free. Now, most any plants will remove at least one or two of these toxic agents from indoor locations, but some are much more efficient than others. So here's a few indoor plants that can help improve the air quality inside your house or your office. At the top of the list are peace lilies. Anybody that's grown any indoor plants are aware of this very simple yet attractive plant. And it's one of only two plants that are effective at removing all five of the toxic agents from indoor air that are mentioned in NASA's list. They're naturally a tropical plant, but do not require very much sunlight to live. These evergreen lilies can be placed in the shade and watered once a week. They're very, very simple to grow. They're, they're almost cast iron type plants. Unfortunately, while these plants are great at improving air quality, Okay, they, they you got to watch them. They're a little bit toxic to dogs and cats if they eat too much of it. Now, I don't have a problem. My dog eats a lot of grass, but he hasn't bothered my tropicals. So they're not recommended uh, if it's real easy for your pets to get to them. If you've got a dog, let's have it up on a table or somewhere. Don't sit it on the floor. And surprisingly to me, the other plant that removes all five of the toxics is the common, I call it the garden mum. Now it requires more sunlight, so you have to do a little bit of moving around. But that, they're colorful, 
They make your home look as you've just stepped into a florist office if you put them around. But they are the only other plant NASA study found to be totally effective at removing all five toxic agents. Have to water them <coughs> pretty often because they do take some water, especially if you have them inside and fertilize them occasionally. I make my own fertilizer. Unfortunately, as with peace lilies, they're somewhat toxic to dogs and cats. Nothing to be dangerous about them. And here's why. When they accumulate these particular toxins, they carry, they, they hold them. It doesn't kill the plant, but it does make them hold things that you probably shouldn't have your pets eating. Makes sense when you think about it. And there's a number of bamboos, always native, usually the tropics, but they work well in your home. Now, they don't do all five of the, the particular toxins we're worried about. They do two very well, though, and two that are very important. The formaldehyde I talked about and xylene. And unlike houseplants and the others I mentioned, bamboos, really, if your dogs chew on them or your cats mess with them, they're really pretty harmless to them. Next to my list is there's two names for it. One's called the snake plant, but back in the old south where I was raised, they call it the mother-in-law's tongue. It's one of the most notable what we call bedroom plants, as it is really, really effective at converting carbon dioxide to oxygen. This gives your bedroom a little oxygen kick, especially while you're asleep. But snake plants, which are not made from anything about snakes, incidentally, are effective at removing four out of the five toxic agents. The only thing they don't take out of the air is ammonia, which I try to avoid using in my home anyway. Uh, uh, back again, because they take in toxins, uh, you know, don't let your pet chew on them too much. Next on the list is one that they call devil's ivy. Now, I've always called it just pothos, P-O-T-H-O-S. They're the vine that's probably one of the easiest and most common indoor plants that you've ever seen. It's just that they got kind of a heart-shaped leaf. Some of them are variegated. Some of them are green. And they're great at purifying the air. Very effective at removing benzene, formaldehyde, and xylene. Are all They can handle every one of those. However, back to telling you, a plant that takes in toxins can be uh, hazardous or at least bothersome to your pet. So be careful where you put them if you have a cat that, or a dog that likes to eat your plants, and some of us do. And you can put Boston fern on your list. Good old Boston fern's a popular house plant. It is safe for dogs and cats. Well, if you want them to eat it, but at least it won't hurt them if they do. It's also great at improving the air quality in your home. Specifically, in this test that NASA did, it was extremely good at removing levels of formaldehyde and xylenes. Another one to mention, in addition to the fact that it's good for your skin, is aloe vera. It filters out benzene and formaldehyde. Unfortunately, again, another one, not good for you or your pets, so I wouldn't eat the aloe vera plant but it's also good for burns or so I'm told. Next on my list is Dracaena. I call it red-edged. You'll know the plant when you see it. Just ask for it. It's also known as the Song of India. It is effective at filtering benzene, formaldehyde, trichloroethylene, and xylene. So four of the five. Careful of the toxicity for pets again. Takes poison in, holds poison. And finally, I'll mention Chinese evergreens. That's a broad statement, but if you go to Anybody that's raising plants, indoor plants, don't know. They're very low light recommendations. They have variegated leaves. Some are red, some are white and green. And they're very good at filtering out benzene formaldehyde. So while the plants I've listed are some of the very best that the NASA figured out and that I found it, filtering indoor air pollution. Okay, there's certainly a bunch of others. Almost any plant that can grow in low to medium light in your home would be helpful. 
The important part to remember is that it's about a plant per hundred square feet of indoor space if you want to kind of get the best from feeling alert and in a good mood and, and actually does clean the air within your home. Hope you find this helpful or at least interesting. One of my summer jobs, because I was a teacher and I had to do something year-round to make a living, was keeping huge numbers of plants. Uh, there was a, it was actually an adult living community where I was uh, actually responsible for the house plants. And how we did this, it would work well at your, if you want a little bit of work, good for you, keep moving. We had two sets of plants. And they would switch out every month or two, depending on which, when, ones, how long they had to be there. So you had kind of an outdoor area we kept them, and we happened to have a sunroom, but you could do it just outside your house, at least all summer. And then you'd switch the plants in and out, and it keeps them all healthier, and it makes them work better. And you, they'll, you keep for years if you have a place to stick them in the winter where they can get, you know, slow them down a little bit. Some people, some of these plants like the Dracaena, you can just put in your garage in the winter and they'll kind of sprite back up when the spring comes, especially if there's any light in your garage at all. So anyway, think about it. The plants are good for you. They make you feel good. They make your house look better. And they're certainly made for a healthier environment. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters. 